You're okay, Jerry. Yeah, this weather, yeah. <laughs> Fourth, you couldn't have me all at current power rankings at number four. You have to have them. Definitely have them at number one. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Wednesday night rugby on Off the Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. You're very welcome along. So Heineken Champions Cup quarterfinal week is here. Good Friday evening, Leinster against Leicester at the Viva Stadium. Eight o'clock kickoff. They're hoping to sell about 27, 28,000 tickets. The top tiers uh, closed for this game, unless there's an extraordinary level of demand, in which case they'll open them. But uh, 27,000 would be a good innings for Leinster against Leicester. Uh, Saturday, the Sharks, who I think caught the imagination of lots of people at the weekend against Munster, they played Toulouse away in France. That's three o'clock game. Exeter had the Stormers half past five. And then on Sunday, Raj Watch, La Rochelle against Saracens, three o'clock. Uh, Keith Wood, we have not spoken in a very long time. Hello. Hello, how are you? A couple of weeks, I'd say, Joe. A couple of weeks, yeah. yeah. It's a long time. Meanwhile, here in the studio, like a bad smell, Roy mm. O'Connor of the Irish Independent. Here you are again. Evening. Hey, Joe. Hey, Keith. So, uh, Keith, Sharks 50, Munster 35. You had said last week, talking to the lads in AM, you wanted uh, certainly at the very least to see a Munster performance. Difficult place to go, difficult to get a win, but let's see a Munster performance. Were you happy with what you saw from Munster? Uh, obviously not. Um, I think when you look at, at the way the game panned out, um, Munster didn't meet the challenge. And the first thing you do when you play South Africa or every South African team is you have to um, you have to front up. That's the only way it actually works with them. I mean, I saw certain things that had changed that um, that I'd be relatively happy with, and you know, but they came unstuck as more pressure came on. They just became unstuck after one thing after the other. So everything started dismantling. The scrum started being forced back. Didn't resource any of the rocks anywhere near enough. Um, and they were targeted, very, very well targeted um, by the Sharks. Uh, every time there was a ruck, didn't matter whose ball it was. Um, and at the mall, you know, the pack looked vulnerable. So I look, I, I felt that it was different from times past and it looks truly horrible, but um, it's just very disappointing to watch, you know, and not see that actually happen. And there, there are reasons maybe and excuses uh, for different things, but... Uh, what ultimately really only matters is what turns up on the field and what turned up on the field wasn't good enough. Roy, do you agree Munster don't even have the consolation of firing some shots and a, and, a, and a performance at least to say there was enough in there to feel okay about? I think that even if if you look at the first half in isolation there was like they were they were in the game you know they did they, they did fire some shots it's that third quarter and you know, at the pivot, at the moving quarter, or whatever we championship quarter, whatever you want to call it, when the game was in the balance, I mean, the, 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 you you have to, um, you have to be able to cope with everything this tournament throws at you now, and that includes now flying to South Africa and playing in massive heat in in difficult and un, un, unusual conditions with <laughs> with a load of kids swimming into a swimming pool behind the goal and all the madness that's entailed of of going to a completely new world. And it looked like the Sharks put the heating on in the dressing room. To, to you know, it looked like they came out of a sauna uh, at half time. I've never seen players so beaten coming out of a dressing room, and 
their body language coming up Craig Casey did that thing where that scrum halves often do where they, he sprinted to the dressing room at half time and they all looked at him as if like don't do this to me because I can't I have nothing left and when they came out they just they folded they folded like I, I don't know they were so they were beaten in every department and, and they kind of hung in there for the first half but they couldn't hang in there anymore it was very very strange and unusual and and if you back it on top of the Glasgow defeat, which was a pretty horrific performance, but they, there is a history in Munster of having a bad Pro 12 or Magnus League game the week before a big European game, and they, you can't really get away with it anymore, but you kind of thought there'd be a response because they get what this competition's about, and the Sharks are new to this competition. I kind of thought that their history and, and all the stuff that we talk about with Munster, and the reason we expect so much of them, so um, would come into a performance, but they didn't look like they had it anymore in that second half. They didn't look like they believed their tight five issues were exposed you know the, the the John Ryan thing the fact that you know the, so much of their good form was a correlation of John Ryan coming back and then they let him go again all of these things fed into a, a pretty dreadful quarter probably the worst quarter they've had in European rugby since the Racing 92 semi-final over in Bordeaux the first the first quarter when they got blown away um, you know they've it was a reminder of how far they have to go still even though they, they since that South Africa game they've been on a pretty good trajectory um, they're now almost back in that hole that they were in the start of the season having made some progress but they've taken a couple of steps back and they've kind of got reverted to their own mean and that's that's worrying going into a, a pretty big you know Leinster's obviously the focus this week because they've quarter final to come but like Munster's European future is on the line next week and the week after in South Africa again against two, the two South African teams so there's um, yeah there's more question marks it's just it's a conversation the three of us have had over the years I mean at this time of year every year really when Munster go out in the quarter, quarter final or the last 16 as it is now but that Sharks team like they didn't even look like they knew that it was a Champions Cup game they just kind of they relied on what they, on all of their kind of their their physical attributes and, and they kind of got the job done but I they scored fifty points in Munster, and they didn't even look as as uh, as good as they could on paper. You know, it was a very strange, very it was a very unusual game. I don't know, was it because I watched it off tube and the atmosphere didn't really come across? But it was a really weird game that didn't really fit what we expect from a European knockout game. I don't know if Keith would agree, but I thought it was a very strange occasion and everything as well. Mm. Yeah, I, look, I would I disagree with a, a bit of that, Rory. I it's it's funny when we were talking or talking on AM last week. Didn't hadn't fully seen the um, the shark side. Didn't quite know exactly who they were going to bring into it. Um, ultimately, they brought back in six or seven players who've won a World Cup in 2019, who looked as fresh as daisies. And whereas they may not fully get what the European Cup is, they're serious competitors. They're also very very large men, and there's no stepping away from that fact. And they know exactly how to use it. So. Um, I feel that they play. I thought they played very well, if not fully aligned with each other. But their quality when they when they turned up the heat, excuse the pun, uh, their quality was extraordinary. So um, look, if I talk rock time first, and um, so I'm, I'm critical of Munster, but I'm also pretty impressed by the level of analysis and. Um, that some of the uh, of the Sharks players did, you know, you know, performed in, you know, the manner in how they performed. If there was any bit of a gap in a monster player going to hit a rook, there was a flood of three um, South Africans into it. 
So one of our guys, we're, we're not as big as they are, but two of our guys against three of their guys, unless we're in a perfect position, um, you're you're holding, you know, you're pushing against the the, the waves, uh, rook after rook after rook. Um, uh, I just looked at Casey and then um, Murray had players just falling in on top of them. Scrum time, falling in on top of them, you know. So the intent, they'd exposed where Munster were a little bit weak. And when I'm looking at Munster at the moment, I'm looking at where they're trying to make a change. They're trying to be more progressive in the backs. They are, um, they're they're looking to play wider. They're looking for an offloading game. Um, I think they've shown those signs during the year. I still see, thought we showed they showed those signs uh, on, on Saturday. However, um, under the pressure that they were under, they were trying to follow through those moves. Um, look, the, the phrase was, don't shovel shit. That was the, the phrase we were given our whole life. If you're under that much pressure, you've called a call. You don't go through with the call. You don't throw that 50-50. They're the 50-50s that cause trouble. So in that third quarter, um, Munster came out from the, the second uh, the second half to, to the second half. They looked flat, and they they seemed to meet this maelstrom of pressure and try to continue playing the the play. They're, they're, they're maybe six months into into doing that, having not done that for six years. So it it crumbled. It crumbled under it. Um, those were tries. There was two or three tries at that instance that weren't. A failing of defence. It was a bouncing ball from someone who was smashed in a tackle or someone trying to pass to somebody else and it wasn't on. That's what it was. And that looked like a team that had had, um, had tried to make a lot of changes, had expected certain things to happen, that they might meet the battle up front. They didn't. And then they started crumbling in that period of time. So they did come back in the last 20 minutes and that could be faint praise and, and scant consolation. Um, but they do show that they're able to 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 fire those shots. To be honest, I think they made the, the level that they're at. And um, when you look at that monster team, you would say there was one starter on on the Irish um, Grand Slam team, and you were playing against a team with six winners of a um, uh, of a World Cup only a few years ago. So I think that was the difference in quality. And so for when I look at the Sharks and, and, and my difference for you is, yes, they looked a bit dysfunctional. They're only coming into being fresh. They're going to be really impressive over the next period of time. It becomes an interesting game for them at the weekend. But um, um, they'll get closer and tighter all along. And um, look, I think they'll be there'll be a challenge for for any team. I think we've ended up with the best quarterfinals uh, finalist teams in the competition. Rory, you referenced we've been having this conversation for years at this stage. Mm. So, Munster heads have been bumping uh, off a fairly consistent ceiling in Europe for years now. And the exits always feel very dispiriting because they were playing a brand of rugby which is reductive and it was never likely to work against the bigger and better sides either. So there was a, a grim inevitability to their exits. Uh, I, Keats touched on new coaching ticket, new approach. Here we are at the same ceiling. Is this exit every bit as dispiriting as the previous four, five, six? On 
on its own merits and the, the, the performance itself and I, and I think as a reminder of the fact that the level is moving because of the introduction of the Stormers the Sharks and the Bulls uh, in particular it's dispiriting because even though I think Munster are making improvements and when you look at the under 20 squad that won the Grand Slam this year and you look at some of the best players in that squad and you think okay well you know they can make a big decent you know Gleeson Ruan Quinn could make a big difference in the next couple of years you look at the players that Roundtree's brought through this year like a dog bow Jack Crowley looks like a player who could really be a dominant force for this team over the next decade. You know, Casey's kind of made a big step forward this year. There are there are green shoots, and the the game they play, while they Keith's right, they shouldn't have played it under such pressure last weekend. They they needed to find it, be smarter, and, and play the play the conditions and play the opposition and 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 you know resource their rooks better. There are some signs that they are kind of getting some things right, and I think the most key appointment that they've made over the last couple of years is that they've brought in um, Ian Costello or they've moved Ian Costello from next season into a kind of a director of rugby role and he will be now responsible for the kind of squad strategy they haven't really had they brought in Razi Erasmus as a director of rugby and he was all, all, all things to all men and then obviously Anthony Foley sadly passed away and Razi became the, the head coach again and then he left because he got the South Africa job and they brought in Van Grant who was deeply inexperienced and, and wasn't doing the contracts contracts kind of fell between a couple of members of ministers of staff they now have again got someone who's going right we are light at the front row let's target like it's not like they haven't been trying to sign a front row but they 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 look like a a dysfunctional organization behind the scenes in terms of succession planning in terms of identifying what they need so they they, they needed a, a, a big scrummaging carrying front row and they signed Malachi Fekatoa last summer they signed two centers um there's obviously a certain amount of budget there and they've gone and replaced Fekatoa so they obviously think center is an issue but they haven't been able to get that tight head they you know their two best scrummaging props that Munster have produced in the last decade one plays for Leicester Tigers and one's top of the Super, super Rugby with the Chiefs and John Ryan they've let him go twice so if you look at the the overall strategy underpinning it all it's being muddled over the last couple of years and what gives me hope with Munster is that Roundtree seems to have the backing of the players and the, the Prendergast uh, Leamy ticket seems to be very well regarded and they seem to be moving into the, a more modern style of rugby that will suit the kind of athletes that they have because playing a South African style against South Africans when you don't have South African athletes to me is just banging your head against the wall at least if you're trying to be innovative and play a more expansive style um, with these young players and giving those young players their head that in a couple of years you're building towards something what, what that is I'm not sure yet but then you've also got Costello tasked with his only job is to make sure that the squad is strong in every area and that because a 30 something year old player is nearing the end you're you're actually succession planning properly someone whose focus is there I, that gives me hope plus the young players that they have and the incremental improvements they've made across the season like they were dire at the start of the season they were really good and they've hit it they've fallen off a bit of a cliff in the last couple of weeks but I do think they just need to manage the next two weeks get to the playoffs finish the season and come back and start the season like they were they played in the middle of this season and get a little bit better next season and a little bit better and it's going to take time mm. but I do think there are reasons to be more hopeful Saturday was a really damaging day but there are Ty Burns injury was really badly timed Orgy Snyman wasn't wasn't ready for it like he, he, he was blown out of contact a few times by his international teammates I think in six weeks time he's winning those collisions he just wasn't ready um, they found out an awful lot about the level on Saturday. Now they need to plan their squad and recruit and w- whether the money's there to go and get world-class tight heads or hookers or, or whether the p- 
permission is there from the RFU they're all big talking points but you need someone whose job it is to go to New Sephora and say we need this or else we're, go- we're at nothing um, and you'd hope that Costello has the strength to, to do that at least they have someone doing that yes. job now Keith do you agree there's been a level of dysfunction behind the scenes for the last decade and is it now being tidied up well, I tell you, just to just to touch on Rory's point there a little, like I did think they should have played the way they were playing. I just think some of their decision making under pressure was um, was 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 poor. That was all for for three or four of those in that moment in time. It was a compounded error upon error, which uh, let the Sharks just go into total control of the game. Um, I do think the idea. Um, look, I'm really happy with Ian Costello's um, appointment and. As a director of rugby type role, I think that there needs to be someone who holds the keys to Munster Rugby at the present moment in time or in the last number of years. They've been um, um, David Nusifora, it's been uh, a CEO, it's been a, a coach. You need to have somebody that's there all the time, who's not actually worrying about Saturday, who's worrying about what's going to happen uh, exactly as Rory has described, proper succession planning, not just for players, but for coaches, uh, also for style, um, for the domestic game to try and maximise some of the quality that comes through the schools. Um, If I just touch for for one second on um, Leinster schools, it's an entirely different setup and system. Munster can't emulate it. They need to have a Munster solution for a Munster problem. Um, they're looking at doing that at the present moment in time. They have gone for planning permission um, for a, a new centre of excellence for the domestic game um, in Limerick, but on the tip, on the um, very close to the Cork Road, so not that far, um, not too far for everybody to get to it. But as a as an idea to highlight the issues that they do have in that domestic schools club game area they need to bring that level up they know they have to do that so that will solve i don't know if it'll solve it but that will definitely help some of the long-term problems and issues there's a need to solve immediate ones now and um and for me that's why a director of rugby will have a huge benefit in the future but we're probably suffering for the lack of that role for the last seven or eight years you know the idea that um, uh, when you look at the depth charts uh, and you don't have them, I think if you have a local guy like Ian Costello is, but he's got really good experience and has great experience in WASPs, um, that he would be looking to try and see if he can maximise those guys that are coming through the system, not just looking for a um, uh, quick fix overseas. I've always said we should always have um, actually, Leinster are the only team that tend to prove that they don't need international players coming in. They have such strength and depth. But for Munster, Ulster, Connacht, um, absolutely need two or three players of oomph to, to to bolster the squads. That's that's the need for Munster in the short term because um, the the players that Munster have at the moment can deal with pretty much. Uh, any of the URC teams, maybe with the exception of uh, of Leinster, in terms of that contact and, and uh, that hard work that's required. But once you go to European uh, competition, once you go against any of the South African teams, the scrum is creaking, the the mall is creaking. There are things that have to be solved. Either and, by and sorry to interrupt. So, so by uh, new players. Yeah, so sorry to interrupt. Totally agree with all that. So. Uh, 
derisory offer made to John Ryan, for instance? Do Munster have the cash to pay for the umph? I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't look um, like it from the outside. Yeah, I, I think a lot of... Look, when I was on the inside, a lot from the outside wasn't exactly as it was. I think it's, I think it's a good um, conversation to have. I think it is a good conversation to have with Munster, actually. And it would be really interesting to get... Um, not necessarily the coaches, but maybe the CEO on, have a conversation with them to see what is the state of the finances as to how exactly Munster are set up for it. Because if they don't have the money for it, you know, it's worth knowing that and seeing whether you can cut your cloth and deal with that accordingly. Final word on Munster's European season 2023. I think it it's a reminder again to get your URC season right. Firstly, which they're not doing this year. So they're going to be, if they get into Europe next, the Champions Cup next season, they're going to be low seeds again, which means they're going to be in a tough pool again. So they're against someone like Toulouse again, which puts them into a, an away. Like you don't want to be going to South Africa for an away, or you don't want to be going to France or South Africa for an away last 16 or quarter final. You want to keep things in control of your own. So you want to be, you want to be at home. You want to be making money. Like, you know, I, I sold out Thoman for last 16. I sold out Aviva for, for a, a quarter final. That funds your big tight head. Like they're losing, this is again, lost income f- yeah. for the season. So point. Um, considering where they came from, which was a really, really bad start Getting into the knockouts was actually a little bit of an achievement for Munster this season, even though the, everyone gets into the knockouts in this tournament. But they were in such bad shape coming into this competition that that shouldn't be yeah. um, diminished. And they, they were in a pool against Toulouse and they gave Toulouse a right good rattle in both games and were, were, were beaten by a better team. I, I think they'll have real regrets about Saturday, but at the same time, no one's ever gone for a knockout game in South Africa in April before. And I think they learned an awful lot about what that experience is like and whether... Like I don't know how you approach it differently because you have to. I mean, it wasn't even at altitude; it was in it was in in Durban, but it's very humid there. Like you can't go over earlier because it's so close to the six It's a very difficult thing yeah. to do, and I think the the star, sharks, the stormers, and and the bulls to maybe a lesser extent are going to are here to stay. Obviously, they're going to be really really difficult to beat, and I think the lesson is to try and avoid them because that's what Leinster are so good at doing because they have the depth and they have. You know, as Dan McFarlane said at the weekend, they've got the grand, basically got the Grand Slam winning team. Um, it helps when you're that good. But last year, Leinster were a bit derailed because of that COVID game and they ended up away, away from home and the knockouts. And they got through it, but it was harder. Whereas this year, they're just so comfortable. They're, they're at home the whole way through. So it's... the. I think Munster, it's about power, isn't it? Like the, that, that was a tough draw in the pool stages. Yeah. They got through that. They had a really tough game. They, they tanked in the, four, the third quarter. I do think the conditions played a, a big role. They'll learn a lot from it, but really what their season is about this year is getting back into this competition next year. And I think okay. they're, how we will define that campaign is how they'll get, get on against the Stormers and Sharks. Like They could finish eighth, miss out on the European Cup next year and end up away to Leinster in the URC quarterfinal. And that's a bit of a nightmare. One last one, Keith, before I, I take an ad break and we'll turn to Leinster then in particular. The uh, South African contingent navigating their way through this tournament. Are you warming to their presence? I dare say for the players, it's a bloody nightmare having to fly down to South Africa uh, several times a year. But what about even just a, as an onlooker, as a fan? I think look, some of the rugby has been fantastic. And, um, you know, like there were there were parts of the Sharks games, parts of the Stormers games at the weekend that were just, you know, they're incredible to watch. We just seem to be filling every single moment that we have with must-win matches for pretty much every team. The season has become August to um, 
August to to end of May for the club season. Um, I think it's I think we're pushing it. We're, we're really pushing what we can actually get out of the players as well. I think that's quite interesting. Um, look, I. I'm not a big fan of the South African team being in the European Cup. I think it, the, the trick is in the name. Um, you can see that one part doesn't fit into the other. But um, I do think they've brought a huge amount of style and uh, some fantastic rugby to it. But look, I don't know. I, I'm I'm still feeling a little bit hurt uh, over the weekend just for the fact that Munster haven't quite got out of it. Um, all the home teams won last weekend. That's the other thing, just to point out on, on Rory's point. If you're playing at a home match, you have a much better chance to do so. So what actually happens earlier on in the season, what happens in the previous season, dictates an awful lot of what, what can happen um, the following year, which we may see when we look at the World Cup this year for the fact that we're going on seedings from three years ago. So, you know, there's... Um, it's a tough. It's a very tough place to be um, with a new coaching ticket, a ticket that's been in there for for six months. So, look, I think Rory's point still is the one that's the most pertinent. This is going to take time. There's there's no way around that fact. There are certain players that are coming towards the end of their careers. There are more that are trying to knock on the door. Um, we've seen this year that Roundtree has tried to bring those guys through. Okay, we'll draw a line under Munster. Uh, rugby and off the ball is with thanks to Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us Rory O'Connor Keith Wood staying with us Wednesday Night Rugby on Off the Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us you're welcome back Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent here in studio Keith Wood is with us as well so Leinster will take on Leicester on Friday evening 8 o'clock at the Aviva Stadium they dispatched uh, Munster are you looking at me to say it's not that time? Pardon? No, no, I was right. It's eight o'clock. But it's also they dispatched of Ulster. What did I say? Munster. Munster on the brain. Munster on the brain. They dispatched of Ulster. Thirty points to fifteen uh, at the weekend. So eight o'clock kickoff at the Aviva Stadium. Keith, I gave you a quick call just before uh, coming on to see was there anything you wanted to discuss? We were always going to reflect on the end of Munster's European season. Uh, the first thing you said was bloody enjoy watching Leinster play. It is, yeah, and um, look, every time they turn up. They have one player plays really, really well. You know, the team plays well. One player stands out. This time we see Ryan Baird stand out. Um, it's a joy to watch the the manner in which the players are progressing every time they get a chance or an opportunity. But they play with a high level of intent, great level of skill, huge level of enthusiasm. They look like they're enjoying themselves. It's enjoying to, It's enjoyable to watch them. It really is. Yeah. Ryan Baird, Keith, is doing a lot of standing out lately. Yeah, I think he has. I, it's, it's, it's funny because there's such a strength and depth in Leinster. It is, um, it's, it's interesting uh, when players get a chance and then don't get another chance for a while. So he has been uh, like the next great thing for a couple of years now, and he does some extraordinary things. But um, I, I just he seems now to be filling all the minutes, not just a highlight reel. And that's something that's required. You need a high level of 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 work, big engine, which of course he has, pace, which he has, but also the concentration for the length of time he's on the field. That's what it seems to be the difference at the moment. Um, he makes it very difficult for Jack Conan to nudge his way back into that Leinster side, Rory. Well, it's Caelan Doris who's trying to get back in this week. So to Conan... Um 
that Conan was actually the man of the match at the, at the weekend. I, I would have given it to Bird, Bird personally. I know a few people thought James Ryan were was the was a standout figure. Um, Conan um, gave a very interesting interview to second captains this week, where he talked about how a health issue, an underlying health issue, has actually held him back over the last year, and he's gotten to, he didn't go into the specifics of it, but said he had no energy over the last year or so, and has only just got to the root cause of it, and really has only felt himself in the Scotland. Um, and England games and then last weekend and he's suddenly back to the, the player that we know that, that he can be which was he hadn't told anyone before it was very uh, it was very revealing because I think he has come in for a bit of criticism over that time and has obviously lost his place in the team to Caelan Doris Baird I think will now become a fixture at six for Leinster and will put incredible pressure on Peter Omani for that number six jersey for Ireland because of his incredible athletic gifts and, and his role with Ireland is kind of that four slash six who can come off the bench in that 19 jersey and I think that's probably where he'll be for the World Cup but if he if he dominates the run in and like you know he's potentially if he's consistent across the next couple of weeks he could be the European player of the year and then he's certainly going to a World Cup in incredible form yeah. he makes life difficult for all of them I, I wonder how they'll treat Caelan uh, Doris this week coming back after missing the game on the back of another head injury and an illness do they put him on the bench because Conan that back row I, I, you're already making one change because Van der Fleer is probably out so I don't think you can pick Conan uh, Doris and and um, and Baird because it's just it's it's not balanced enough I think Penny comes in so I think maybe you put Doris on the bench and then you give him another two weeks while the, the rest are in South Africa and you rest them up and you get it back for a semi because I think Conan deserves to keep a spot. I like Leicester, if you want to beat Leicester, like at this at this level of competition, you know what Leinster have learned? The, look at the moves they've made since last season. They've put Baird at six because he, he he's such a physical force and they've Jason Jenkins coming off the bench. So that's their strategy. I, I don't see them veering away from that. He He's... He's such a, a, an athletically gifted player, but he's also, he knows he's really good and he's confident. And now he's got the the consistency across 80 minutes to back that confidence up. I, I, you know, you don't want to overhype any player, but like this guy could be transformative for both teams over the next couple of months. He's, he, he's that, in that, like the most valuable players in, in any team now are, are the kind of second row enforcer types that Peter Steph to talk to offer or the toy for South Africa like Courtney Laws has been such you know such a weapon for England Maro Atoji has played that 4-6 role for England as well it's yeah. such a it's a, it, it's rare we produce a player of this quality um, and now that he can back it up it, like he's so exciting and is he because um, I keep hearing his GPS is genuinely he's as fast as backs yeah and his, his fitness I think he like that Bronco test that they do, like he just he does that in his sleep. You know, he doesn't have to work at it at all. I think her one time he was he kind of had to be kind of pulled aside and said, "Look, you need to stop taking like you're making this look too easy." There's other people in the squad who are really good rugby players, but this is hard for them, and you need to stop. Like he just kind of saunter home with it. He finds that I think he finds that stuff quite easily, but what he finds more difficult or has found more difficult is that concentration levels over eighty minutes. I think it's often if you're the best player in a team, it's often that way that when you go up a level, you have to. There's a lot of other things you have to do. Um, he's spoken in an interview I did with him earlier in the season about how he found contact. Like he doesn't defense is not something that comes naturally to him, so he has to be in a mindset. He has to build himself up to, in a mindset to be violent, to be that Courtney Law style figure. And he and he now has that. He kind of has done a lot of work with Gary Keegan around that so, space. He works with uh, Steve MacGyver, who Keith probably played with, I'd say, um, who's now a sports psychologist as well. He's invested an awful lot of time into the mental side of his game. Um, he's a really interesting guy. He's a slightly different to your prototype player who comes through. He thinks a bit differently, and I like that about him as well. I think he's got the full package, and he's starting to put it together. You know, he's only twenty three. 
So is he meant to like grimace during the Bronco? What's he meant to do? He finds it just easy. Maybe not celebrate easy. or kind oh. of take the take the Mickey as okay. you do. I think because because like you know he's blessed with these gifts, and I think he has to. They want him to appreciate the fact that is that you know he, he his ceiling is so much higher than, than other lads who don't have what he has, and it, you know just being able to do this well is not really a reason to celebrate because he's so good. Mm. He can get to another level, and I think like he in his own mind would think I can be the best player in the world, and I think that's what he's aiming to do. I mean, again, don't want to overhype him, but like he is so gifted. The way he hunted down Mike Lowry in open play that time. Huh? Two days, two days. <laughs> yeah. that twice. You don't want to overhype him, and you've um, yeah. So I think there's too much hyperbole in that. In in that, I don't. I think we've seen some good games from him for the last period of time. I think I'd like to see some more sustained elements of that but um i think he's very exciting i think the the place for him when we're, we're talking at the moment is that sixth position because and i'd said for a long time that the natural successor to peter manny at six was ty burn um it's looking like the more natural successor uh, age profile and everything is ryan baird and and i can see that as well and i i see again the balance um and i keep looking at balance of back rows Huge fan of Van der Fleer. I think he's a fantastic. He's just a fantastic rafter at seven. Now there's there is a conveyor belt in in Leinster. For me, Caelan Doris is is the best eight. I didn't know about um, uh, uh, Jack Conan's uh, illness, so that may mark out for something on that as well. Um, I still think Doris is phenomenal, and um, and I also think we keep forgetting that. You look at the squad at 23 and uh, too often we get caught up into who plays first or doesn't, but it's the strength of that squad at 23. It's the, the strength when you get out to 30 if somebody gets injured. What do we have at our disposal? When you look at any of the players that we've just mentioned there, we have an awful lot of our disposal. We've never had that strength and depth. So yeah. um, I want to see Ryan Baird continue to to grow in, in it. Um, I wouldn't be quite as quick as to see whether he'll cover into that four spot for, for times. And 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 just to mention James Ryan, James Ryan was phenomenal at, at the weekend. That is that was him in his absolute pomp. And when we look back at the early days when he he, he won the first twenty two professional games he played, I think it was twenty one or twenty two, that when he when he when you look that back at that and he was fantastic then. He really was and he was a breath of fresh air. I don't know if he played as well in those days as he did last weekend. I thought he was phenomenal. Uh, Leicester arrive in Dublin via beating Edinburgh 16-6 at the weekend just gone. Uh, people I'm sure will remember Leinster's uh, trip to Welford Road at this stage last year, Keith, in the quarterfinal. They blew Leicester off the park. It was 20 points deficit at half time. It was um, absolutely dominant. Uh, Ellis Genge, for instance, has since uh, departed that Leicester pack they still seem, I know you caught a bit of them at the weekend, they still seem to play this Steve Borthwick uh, forward-oriented game. Uh, that'll be meat and drink for Leinster, no? Uh, yeah, they play... It's funny, I'm, 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 I've watched a fair bit of Premiership. Some of the rugby is fantastic. It's very enjoyable. I don't know. They seem, the players seem to have an awful lot more time in the Premiership than we do when we get to European Cup or definitely when we get to international. There's a, there's a big conversation that... There is the the gap from Premiership to international rugby is what is ever widening, and it seems to be putting um, a lot of the coaches under pressure. Um, Leicester have been up and down all season. They've had some really good play, some bad play. Andre Pollard has come back in, and is 
looked fit, looked sharp. I mean, he looked he looked almost awkward when he came back. You know, he came with huge fanfare and he looked almost awkward trying to get himself back into the game. But for the last few weeks, he is now beginning to pull the strings and he is confident. And um, there was a, an interesting uh, subcontext, subplot to the game. They dropped Jasper Visa to the bench and he was brought on at halftime. He ended up man of the match. Now, I don't know if he was man of the match, but he, my God, did he have an impact. Um, they're well able to play. They're well able to change the style that they play. I don't believe they'll offer up as many mistakes as a lot of the other Premiership teams would do. Um, I don't know that they have matured an awful lot, but they have cut down on what they were trying to play a little bit more. Um, I don't know how confident they'll be going to Leinster. I don't know if there's any team that can be confident going to the Aviva playing against Leinster. But I think they look at this as a freebie and they'll have a go for it. But you've got World Cup winners in that side um, and they will, like, they played well. They played well last weekend. Whether they can play well enough to trouble, I like. I don't. I don't think there's anybody can trouble uh, Leinster at the present moment in time. Um, it just always goes a little bit tougher as the competition goes on as to how much pressure different teams are able to put them under. But um, I think this is Leinster's to win all the way. But I think they'll be challenged, and I do think um, Leicester are trying to play a bit differently. Yeah. I'd like- I, I struggle to make a compelling case for Leicester to win, but I do think they have good players who can produce a good performance and and trouble Leinster to some degree. Um, I think the fact that it's a six-day turnaround for Leinster and it's, it's seven days for Leicester does play into their hands a little bit, albeit they have to travel. I think Pollard's a really influential figure who has won big games in the past and, and has the capacity to, to dictate things. You know, he's, a more, he's vastly experienced, but will he... Will he get the service? Will Will Leinster allow him to to kind of play on the front foot? Um, it's hard to see it. I mean, it's it's a kind of it's a, it's a direct replica of last year's route to the final for Leinster. If if the draw goes oh, to seeding, it's going to be Leicester. I mean, to lose may lose to to um, sure. the Sharks. So I t- without that spell, I don't see that. And then you know, La Rochelle obviously weren't great last weekend, but it could be La Rochelle in the final as well if they can get there. And I think that is possibly progressively harder as you go through the rounds. I mean, Leicester Leinster blew them away in the first twenty, but I think Leicester were kind of par for the rest of it. Now the contest was over, but yeah, it they, finished fourteen twenty three. Yeah, and that was the first time. In the European Cup for a couple of years they'd been in the Challenge Cup for a while they were coming out of the doldrums and Borthwick's focus last season was on winning the Premiership they've had an awful lot of change Wiggleworth is very highly regarded it's a free hit for him um, I think they could be problematic for Leinster but I just don't see them having the cattle up front to really trouble this Leinster team and I don't see them being able to play at the pace that Leinster can play at I think that's the big thing that Leinster have they're effectively Ireland and they can play at an incredible pace with Van der Fleer, sorry not Van der Fleer with um, uh, Jameson Gibson Park just with that tempo that he can play at weather, Van der Fleer's a loss weather is good weather's supposed to be good and that will play like we never um, talk much about Johnny Sexton being absent for Leinster as much as if this was an Ireland game I was previewing the first thing I'd be saying is no Johnny Sexton big factor I think it's a big factor when you go into Toulouse and La Rochelle if, if in, in the kind of semi-final final and, and there was some criticism of Byrne at the weekend and, and I thought his kicking game was excellent but he did quite retreat um, during the game now the conditions were horrific and it wasn't a day for spreading the ball wide but I didn't think he was as, as advanced and a, 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 
it was a game they kind of felt like they were always going to win yeah. but if they're challenged to go and win a game that's going to bring ask him questions that he doesn't often have to answer and we don't know yet like I, I've been impressed with Ross Byrne over the last year I think he's earned a spot in the Ireland pecking order but he's not Johnny and none of them are like you know that the, 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 it's unfair to almost expect them to be Johnny Sexton but they're going to have to like winning it without Sexton is will be an incredible achievement they've never won a European Cup without, without Johnny Sexton and I think they can get past Leicester with, with, with Ross Byrne certainly and, and the system is so strong and, and the team is so good that they can it feels like they can beat anyone but they haven't proven that yet because when they had didn't have him against La Rochelle two years ago they, they crashed out in the semi-finals and um, that's what Byrne needs to prove you know Yeah uh, Keith, just a, a brief word on Ulster before clock comes against us. Uh, we kind of alluded to a, a stasis with Munster. Ulster uh, like improved under McFarland quite rapidly from the, the real low point of 2018, but they have also uh, started bumping their head off a ceiling. What would you say about where they are and where they need to get to? Uh, I think they've, I do think they've stalled. Um, I think they are further down the line than Munster by by a good margin. Um, um, they got a huge shock this year when they lost, you know, when, um, when Leinster down to 14 players, when they lost that match from being 20-odd points up. That that shook them to their core. It absolutely did. And um, they then went into free fall for three or four weeks afterwards. And, uh, you know, um, I think that was a, a really hard lesson for them to learn i think they 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 went through a really difficult period of time um i think they beat most teams but they don't seem to be able to beat leinster and um uh, they fought incredibly hard in that game but they were dismantled not at will but um leinster were able to were able to pick pick them apart when they needed to they didn't exert to control on it as much as they could they've got a fantastic driving mall um, but the the their game not disjointed, but it doesn't seem to be uh, in the face of a, of a very good defensive setup. They seem to struggle. Um, uh, they seem to struggle for, for for to ask the right questions. That that's what the way I put it. So um, they tend to kick the ball away, not with a view with a view of getting it back, but not with a view of pinning people down. They kick it as a as a resort. And, and that wasn't just a conditions issue. No, I, look, I, the conditions were dreadful, and you know what always happens in those. It can it can level the playing field in many respects, but um, and there were lots of mistakes that you don't ordinarily see from both sides. But Leinster just looked composed all along, mm. and Ulster looked like they were chasing the game from very very early, and um, and didn't seem to be able to ask the right questions of 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 the setup in the back line. And so that's an issue for them. I thought it was a quiet day. Um, they were, they, they struggled a little bit at rock time, but actually at mall time, they were phenomenal. So um, I look, I think they weren't good enough and yeah. there's, there's no two ways of, and there's no ways of sugarcoating that. Leinster are significantly better team than Ulster at the moment. Is this also a level par European campaign for Ulster? No, well, I mean, it was weird European campaign because there was like that that damage that Leinster inflicted them in the URC fed in bled into it, and they got hammered by sail in you know they had that weird um, travel disruption. They were derailed 
then by having their home game against La Rochelle moved to the Viva Stadium behind closed doors and didn't show up and they just squeezed in as the eighth seed like again you don't want to be playing away to Leinster no, no more that you don't want to be going to South Africa for a, a last 16 game you also don't want to be going to Dublin to play Leinster in a last 16 game so they, they, they mismanaged their pool partly because the weather was bad like a lot because the, like the, the, their travel those first yeah, couple of rounds was derailed but again you know, think of Andy Farrell and adversity and, and even the way Leinster went to La Harve and, and had a disrupted travel and went out and hammered La Rochelle sorry not La Rochelle uh, Rossi 92 yeah. in, in the pool stages like there, there, look there is like it was interesting listening to Dan McFarlane talk about demographics and how it's very hard to to, to beat the, the Irish Grand Slam champions who are you know the, the best team in the world but at the same time there are things within his gift like Vermeulen doesn't seem like a great bit of business like they got him after he was over the hill you know he, they replaced Marcel Cotia who was unbelievable for them with a, a player of unbelievable uh, who had, had a great career but was coming out on the wrong side of it in Vermeulen they've signed Dave viewers for next season from Exeter who isn't of the same profile but is younger and I think across the season will be a very good addition and they've got Mar- or, um, Stephen Kitsoff the Springrock loosehead coming over on massive money yeah. but that's the kind of signing that we, we're talking about Munster making so I don't know if he's going to transform them completely but he will make them very, very much stronger I do think they need to get their attack onto a more modern footing I, th- I still think their wingers are very old fashioned they don't really get involved until they're asked to whereas you look at what James Lowe and, and Mac Hansen are doing for Ireland and the involvements they're having they're not just they're, they're not waiting to be invited into the game like the, the two by Art Munster sorry Ulster's best players are Balakoon and Stockdale and they're just not like Balakoon didn't see the, I know it was a horrible conditions yeah. but you know Lowe was much more involved than they were I think they're closer to Leinster than, than and, but there's still weird things got, like you look at the their selection all the time the players seem to disappear from sight and then reappear like Jordy Murphy just hasn't been involved all year and he's suddenly popped up and picked, picked for three games in a row and then he's disappeared again Harry Sheridan was their best bright young, young thing and was really good off the bench last week and then Dave McCann appears having not been seen for months and he starts at six and then he doesn't play well but sure his confidence must be in bits so there are things within Dan McFarland's gift yeah. that he could get better to beat whether it's going to be enough to beat Leinster I don't know but um, I think they're closer Okay, but they're kind of plateauing a little bit yes okay fellas we're uh, out of time my thanks to you Keith Wood good to talk again cheers gents cheers Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent with us cheers Rory good luck uh, rugby and off the ball thanks to Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us Wednesday Night Rugby on Off the Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us 